This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, this is Kimberly Kleiman Lee, executive coach, performance consultant, and host of the Do I Dare podcast. If you're a leader who wants to inspire, empower, and raise the leadership bar, then you have come to the right place, my friend. Here you will get access to powerful yet practical solutions that elevate your performance and dissolve roadblocks. Do you dare to lead in a way that moves the needle and scales the impact? Then let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Do I Dare podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Kleiman Lee, and you are joining part two of a three-part series on meetings. As I mentioned last week, so many of us have seen a huge increase in the number of meetings we need to attend because during the pandemic, we no longer had the opportunity to have casual conversations in hallways or just touch base with team members. Thus, in order to get that interaction, to get that key contact, we need to officially schedule time with each other. And that has our calendars busting at the seams. Now, I've seen all sorts of articles that break meeting types down into various categories like decision-making meetings or problem-solving meetings, brainstorming meetings, project kickoff meetings, feedback or post-mortem meetings, team-building meetings. The thing is, Rarely in my 30 years in business have I ever attended a meeting whose sole focus was to make a decision or brainstorm an idea. Most of the meetings I've attended encompass all of those activities and more. Today, I'm going to give you my take on the top five meetings that are actually worthwhile if done well. And of course, stay tuned until the end for a few ways to cleanse your calendar and reset your productivity in meetings. So today, we're going to cover five types, as I mentioned. The one-on-one meeting, status meeting, stand-up meetings, problem-solving meetings, and planning meetings. Now, again, there are lots of types of meetings, but I find that these five can be the calendar culprits when it comes to wasting our time. So let's jump right in. First, one-on-ones. One-on-ones really should be structured, although I think most folks enter into them without really knowing the intention or making the assumption that it's just to get up to speed and then we send folks on their way. Good one-on-ones actually have three main focuses. First, to give and get updates. Second, to explore any challenges, ask for help, remove roadblocks, et cetera, et cetera. And third, to develop your talent. That's a big one. We don't oftentimes spend enough time and focus on developing the talent around us. This gives you, the leader, an opportunity to teach, to give feedback, to get feedback, and most importantly, to figure out how you can develop that talent for a future in your organization. So I'm often asked, well, how often should we host one-on-one meetings? And I guess that really depends. Are they new or tenured? Are they struggling in their job or performing really well? Are they on a critical project or are they steady at work? I would start with every other week for one hour as a great uh, place to begin and spend 75% of that time on updates and challenges. And 25% of that time offering feedback, guidance, making suggestions, and exploring that talent's career ambitions. 
Now that said, 25%, which is really about 15 minutes, doesn't seem like a lot of time. If done regularly, you'll get yourself into a rhythm and a habit and it will become commonplace. So you will have really robust conversations within that 15 minutes. That said, I do recommend you do a deep dive at least two times per year on that talent development part. So schedule two meetings twice a year that focus on nothing more than what their strengths are, their non-strengths or or gaps in performance, and lastly, their career ambitions. What do they want to do and what do you need to do to get them there? The key, though, of a one-on-one is to make sure that the talent knows they own and will be leading the meeting. This is a change for, I think, most of you out there who think that you, the leader, should own the meeting and the meeting agenda. Not the case. This is actually a skill building opportunity for your talent and a way for you to actually coach them on how to communicate, keep people informed, think about their own personal development, help them to become self-aware, get them to be a bit more vulnerable and open to feedback. There are lots of lessons that can be learned if the talent actually owns the one-on-one. So here's the thing. The talent, your direct report, let's say, should schedule all the meetings. They should come up with the agenda for it. What are the three to five things they want to talk about or cover in that one hour time frame? They should ask you questions, especially about feedback, and they should manage the time to make sure that what they're sharing is well within the amount of time that you have parceled out. Now, now, again, these types of meetings are rarely done well, and they're usually the first to be canceled by either the talent or the leader. So protect these types of meetings the best you can, or at minimum, reschedule them within the same week if they absolutely have to be moved. Second type of meeting are status meetings. They're probably the most common meeting on our calendar if you take a peruse of your upcoming week. Status meetings can be called lots of different things, team meetings, project reviews, operating reviews, et cetera. The goal, though, is always the same. Regardless of what you call this second type of meeting, they are meant to give information or get information, updates on critical projects, work in progress, that sort of thing. This will include things like uh, timelines, budgets, resources, challenges, concerns, risks to plan, and so forth. These types of meetings, I think, are the greatest culprit on our calendars. They are reoccurring and often never-ending, very often poorly planned, usually with no agenda, no formal action-taking progress, and they lack engagement from participants. This is usually when we see the bad behavior of humans at work. They bring in dozens of PowerPoint slides with four-point font that bring us no meaty conclusions. Those who attend are typically talked at as opposed to dialogued with. And this is actually how I can tell the health of a team. When I'm uh, coaching clients, especially ones who are trying to figure out their executive presence uh, when they're amongst a group, I will oftentimes be a quiet observer in a meeting, either online or in person. And I'm looking for uh, a dynamic, looking for a lot of activity, discussion, healthy debate, healthy conflict, people who aren't afraid to bring their ideas or disagree with one another. If I attend a meeting that is quiet, 
there's no one speaking but the leader or but the person who hosts the meeting, I instantly know there's an issue either with the level of trust in the group or with the agenda and intention of the meeting. Some meetings could quite frankly just be simple email updates. It's a good thing to pay attention to what kind of a meeting you're attending and make changes accordingly. So let me paint a different picture for you. What if you were invited to a new set of meetings? They were put on your calendar and the very first meeting had a project charter that was offered to you to clearly explain what the meetings were all be, would be about. They also clearly explained your role in the meeting and their expectation of you in that meeting. Now, I'm a fan of their RACI model, but you do you. Let me explain RACI and see if this might get you further or closer to your goal. RACI, R-A-C-I, stands for Responsible, Accountable, Consult, and Inform. Responsible just means that person is tagged as working on the project. They were responsible for the outcome of sorts. The second, accountable, this person has direct decision authority. It's usually the owner of resources, the budget, the time frame, maybe even the customer, the product, and so forth. Consult, the C in the RACI model, uh, really represents a key stakeholder person who should be included in any major decision. Now, accountable and consult could be the same, but typically the consult might not be attending each and every meeting. The fourth is inform. This is a group of people or a person who needs to be informed of a decision or action. Uh, Maybe it's a key group of stakeholders. Maybe it's a group that might be impacted by the decision. Now, this can be done via email or a ceremonious meeting, like a quarterly update or the end of the series of meetings where you're announcing what the next steps are. This group typically doesn't need to attend each meeting. Now, there might be other tags or uh, levels of expectation that you'd have of participants in meetings, but the key here is to really ensure you've got the right group gathered for the right reason. What if 24 to 48 hours prior to each meeting, you received an updated invite with an agenda? Just the basics. What's going to be discussed? By whom? For how long? And are there any major discussion points or decisions that will be made during that meeting? That might ensure that I attend. What if every meeting started on time and had a no multitasking rule tag to it? Then we wouldn't spend so much time restating our question or restating a description or an explanation because people would be listening the first time around. What if each presentation offered was no more than three to five pages and the last page actually summarized the status? It had the ask. It gave a point of view or highlighted a risk or just maybe made a recommendation from the person doing the pitching or the talking. A call to action is what we'd be looking for in those sorts of presentations. What if each meeting had a note taker that captured complete actions with decisions and their dates? What if every meeting after that would simply start by reviewing the actions that were due and it would end by reviewing any new actions captured? What if you had a facilitator who would be responsible for curating a meaningful meeting? He or she would ensure understanding, confirm agreement, host the official vote, manage conflict, double check actions. Hold people accountable, manage the time, 
What if long-winded speakers would be taught to speak in bullets and asked to prepare their pitch accordingly? What if all presentations, agendas, actions, and decisions, maybe even the recordings of your meetings, would be posted in a shared folder for all to access, where no one could say, gosh, I just was uninformed. I didn't know. I missed that meeting. If this meeting is a team meeting, it might never have an end date because the goal would be to get people together and keep people informed. Those have their purpose. If it's a project meeting, however, it should have a projected end date. So think about it. Are you on any projects? And would you know when the meeting is scheduled to end? The next type of meeting are stand-up meetings. Very different than status meetings, although I must say I've seen them interchanged quite a bit in my day. Stand-up meetings are typically used for urgent critical topics that require a rhythmic and maybe even frequent touch points. They're called stand-up meetings because literally those who gather stand usually in a circle for a quick 10 to 15 minutes every day. Sometimes it's in the first thing in the morning, other times it's last thing in the evening, and they state their answer to three questions. That is it. Stand-ups are supposed to be extraordinarily structured. First, they'll answer what progress have they made that day. Second, what are your intentions in the next 24 hours? And third, what help do you need from the group? That's it. Three questions. You go around the room, around the group, so to speak, and have everyone uh, answer what progress they've made thus far, what their intentions are for the next 24 hours, and what help they need from the group. Again, the goal of a stand-up is to make progress on a problem that, they, that needs to be solved or to resolve a critical issue that's causing um, difficulty um, for your team or customer and, and so forth. Again, the content is offered in a bulleted format. There's no PowerPoint presentations. There's no long speeches, explanations, et cetera. There could be a quick brainstorm where smaller solutions might be needed rather quickly, but otherwise these meetings are solely to track and make progress. Where progress isn't being made, a smaller team might take that topic to a problem-solving meeting, for example. Uh, they might ensure that all the right participants are present and then they build a broader plan. I've seen stand-up meetings used in place of team meetings because the lead simply wants their meetings to be shorter and punchier, wouldn't we all? But this is the wrong tool for that job. You don't want your stand-up meeting to be turned into a lay-down meeting where the agenda becomes so big and the details are so voluminous that this particular format is just not sufficient. Stand-up meetings rarely go for longer than a few weeks. Again, they focus on a very specific urgent or critical issue related to a product, a service, a customer, and the like. It's usually when you have a quality issue, there's a deadline that's been um, uh, missed, uh, budget, you're way over budget and you need to get control over it again. Perhaps you're missing talent, a whole bunch of reasons that you could engage a stand-up meeting. But again, be thoughtful and be intentional. Once those issues are resolved, the meetings are typically canceled or the subject matter is just rolled into the regularly scheduled meeting, status meeting. The next type of meeting is the focused problem-solving meeting. As I just mentioned, sometimes you need to call an ad hoc meeting to really drill into an issue or an idea. Where I come from, we used to call these workouts, made popular by GE in the Jack Walsh era. The purest form of a workout had three components. 
first, there was a critical business issue to be addressed. Second was the assemblance of a tremendous team of experts, people who touched that issue from a number of different vantage points. And they were all highly invested in a positive outcome. And third, there was a well-curated decision-making process at the end of that workout meeting time, where literally the sponsor would come in and offer a go-no-go decision because they were ultimately responsible for the outcome. Now, these meetings were typically founded in a change management process called CAP, another GE tool. CAP stands for Change Acceleration Process. It's a series of tools and processes that help expedite conversations, put form and structure to ideas, again, all part of the formula. The reason these meetings were so powerful, I think, is because if done well and right, all the right people are in the room to study the problem and collaborate on one or two potential solutions that everybody could live with. That was the secret sauce. There was no socializing outside the room. There was no meeting with individuals one by one that took weeks to gain traction. Everybody in the room represented a certain faction, a certain group, a certain stakeholder uh, team. Um, They had expertise. They had access to data. That group was the group to solve the problem once and for all. The person responsible for the ultimate outcome, as I mentioned, like the budget, the resource allocation, the timeline, the brand, would come in for the final, let's say, two to four hours of that workout session to hear what the group had been discussing and to entertain um, a go-no-go decision on one, two, or three recommendations. This expedited the decision-making process and eliminated the need to endlessly, as I mentioned, socialize ideas and concepts throughout the organization. I thought the process was brilliant, quite frankly, and I still use many of these tools to this day. Now, there are lots of ways to solve uh, problems and host problem-solving sessions. Totally get that. My number one piece of advice, regardless of the direction you go, is to get a trained facilitator to design and curate the experience for your group. Problem-solving sessions require very specific inputs in order to get the desired outputs. A skilled facilitator can help you with that. If you choose to go the workout route, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the book, GE Workout, there's a bit of a communication and expectation setting that needs to be had. Many organizations who call themselves collaborative might actually be bordering on um, distrustful meaning there's so much socializing that needs to go on because no one trusts anybody else with the final decision or working on their behalf um, as a, a means of moving the subject matter forward. So if you're going to try a process like workout, make sure that you properly announce the process to the group. Kimberly is going to represent the sales organization for this Uh, during this meeting. If you have anything you absolutely want represented in the meeting, please ensure Kimberly has that. Uh, If there's any data to be had, please ensure Kimberly represents that and so forth and so on. But setting the expectation that the decision will be made and then communicated after the meeting has been held. Workout meetings, again, are two to five days in length. And at the end of the meeting, a decision is expected. Now, problem-solving meetings, as I mentioned, do have a shelf life 
um, but they also have a very specific uh, process to follow to make sure that the meeting is as productive as possible. Most of the work for that meeting actually occurs before anybody takes a seat in the meeting. There's a healthy dose of research, content reviews, agenda prep, speaker prep. Usually the attendees will get a, a packet of information to be reviewed prior to coming in the meeting so that they're fully informed on all the angles of the issue, the problem, the opportunity, and so forth. The goal should be by the time you enter the room, you have everything you need to have a robust dialogue and to come up with a series of reasonable solution ideas. Lastly, planning meetings. Planning meetings are similar in structure to a problem-solving meeting, but they're proactive as opposed to reactive. Typically, planning meetings would occur in late Q4, early Q1 as organizations are getting ready to kick off their new year. They could also happen mid-year, um, depending again on your annual cycle, to just touch base on uh, the, the uh, planning that's happened so far and perhaps any address any new issues that might have surfaced along the way. These are heavily planned, well-curated, well-facilitated sessions again, and they have equal parts innovative and creative thought baked into them, as well as tactical and detailed plans coming out of them. It is in these meetings that product agendas are set, new markets are captured, enterprise-wide initiatives are born, and larger priorities with goals are solidified. I have facilitated my fair share of planning meetings as well. And I always put a different um, spin on the meetings, depending again on what that group was trying to tackle. I would invite in experts from the industry. I'd make sure we had detailed financial analysis of the impacts of that planning. We'd have visits from board members or key leaders, video messages from customers. These sorts of meetings also have a healthy dose of fun and creativity built into them to keep the ideas flowing and to keep people engaged. If done well and right, the outcome of this planning meeting sets the tone and operating rhythm for the rest of the year. Now, some of you might be asking, but what about things like an annual budget meeting or team retreats or customer meetings and so forth? There are a whole bunch of other meetings that are, I'm sure, worthwhile if done well and right. But the ones I've discussed today are probably the most common and could use the most cleanup in terms of structure and application. So your homework. First, take a look at your calendar and assess specifically any meetings that are reoccurring. Poke at the structure of it. Does it have an agenda? Does it have a participant list and it's clear to why those individuals were selected to attend? Are you clear on why you have been selected to attend? Is anyone missing? Can anyone be uninvited? Are, are there actions that are captured at the end of every meeting? And are people held accountable to complete those actions on time? If you're a people leader, do you have regularly scheduled time with your direct staff? Do you own the meeting or do they? Is the intention of the meeting clear? And do you focus on that talent's development in any of those meetings? If you're an individual contributor, turn the tables. Do you have regularly scheduled time with your direct or indirect managers? If not, can you initiate this time, set the agenda, explain the intention, and lead up? With a bit of analysis, structure, and planning, you'd be surprised at how much more you can accomplish in less time. That's the goal here. The ultimate trick, though, 
is not only to do the things that I've just shared, but to teach the power of doing it this way to those around you. Help everyone see what's possible with a bit more forethought in the way in which you engage with each other. Leaders lead. And if you want to be successful in at least these five types of meetings, lead those around you to think about changing the unproductive ways that seem to be getting in the way of true productivity for you and your groups. Stay tuned to next week's episode. It will be the final of this three-part series focused on meeting best practices. This will cover all the stuff you can do to ensure that you don't waste a minute and that you have do more in fewer meetings and produce twice as much value. In that episode, I'll focus on outcomes-based agendas, participant selection protocols, action-taking templates, team building, quick wins, and ways to build greater trust amongst your group. I'll even give you access to some of my favorite tools to use with your teams as well. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Do I Dare podcast, focused specifically on the five types of meetings that are actually worthwhile if done well and right. I can't wait to see and hear of the progress you make with your calendar. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the Do I Dare podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Share a topic of interest or a struggle that's top of mind for you. We'll give you a shout out on a future podcast. And for more information about Do I Dare and all things leadership, visit KimberlyKlimanLee.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and stay tuned for exclusive content access to the tools and resources you need to lead.